any military action that takes place where injury or death to civilians is an obvious consequence cannot be considered justified. The war happening in Gaza at the moment must stop because of the proximity of so many innocent people, mostly children. I feel deeply saddened when I see on my TV screen the enormous suffering in Gaza. People there cannot escape the killing. They are trapped in an area from which there is no way out. In a previous podcast, I spoke about my brother, Nick Bilber, and the wonderful work his charity organization called Hands Up carries out in and around Palestine, but mostly in what we call in English the Gaza Strip. Through video connections or link-ups with schools in Gaza especially, Nick Bilber gave schoolchildren a window on the world. He provided them with the opportunity to create plays and stories, which the children themselves wrote and produced. These plays were initially just a way to practice their English, but ultimately it became a means to allow these children to express their feelings about their lives, their hopes for the future and their fears of their future. Nick Bilbra's wonderful work at Hands Up is obviously no longer currently possible in the present climate of war. But today, I'd like to share with you my own story I wrote in dedication to Nick Bilbra, the Hands Up team, and to all those children suffering so terribly in this atrocious war. This is going to be a B1 to B2 level podcast with more focus today on B2 vocabulary. Today is just part one of the story and I'll be offering the complete audio script at my website at www.practicingenglish.com. So here we go. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels. And if you are a B1 level student trying to reach B2 level, then I recommend my book, The Tudor Conspiracy. Come over to practicingenglish.com and you'll see a picture of the front cover. Click on that and it will take you to the page where you can buy the book. One thing that we need to do when we sit our B2 exam, for Cambridge, for example, is to consciously think of upgrading our language. Upgrading means moving from B1 to B2. 
Now, this story I've carefully written with a B1 base. So most of the words are at B1 level or below. And I've included a number of B2 words. Now, as this audio script is included, you can see the B2 words where I've marked them with B2 at the end of each word. As I usually do, I'm just going to pick a few for you to listen out for and listen to the context they're used in. So I've made a choice of about 10 words. The first one is dizzy. The first B2 word is dizzy. And it comes in the sentence, a pain so powerful it had made her dizzy. D-I-double-Z-Y. That means that your head feels very light. You feel like fainting. There is a strange feeling in your head. Perhaps when you are looking from a great height, you're looking down and you suffer from vertigo, you feel dizzy. Or other things as well can make you dizzy. Perhaps pain itself can make you dizzy. In the story, it takes place, first of all, in an Arab house, a house where a wealthy family live. And on the floor, they have rugs, R-U-G, which is like a small carpet, a woven material which is warmer to sit on than sitting on cold stone, a rug. And the next word is a scene, and a scene, S-C-E-N-E, a scene is what you see in front of you, watching something happening. So in this case, the girl in the story called Dunya, she is watching the scene in front of her. The next word is wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M, comes from the, the adjective wise, W-I-S-E, which means to have a great knowledge, to know lots of things about the world. As we get older, we usually get wiser, we have more wisdom. And the sentence is, may Allah give you the wisdom to see the truth. Listen out for that. So also in this house, rather, uh, as I say, a house um, where a wealthy Arab family live, there is a courtyard. Now, this is not a B2 word, but it was an important word for me to describe the patio um, in the central part of the house where a lot of life takes place in these type of houses. Where I live in Andalusia, in the south of Spain, and it's very hot, we have these houses where there is a central patio or courtyard and the rooms are built around the central courtyard. Yusuf looked up at the opening over the courtyard and raised his hands high. Generosity, my next uh, B2 word, from generous, meaning someone who is willing to give things to other people. Generosity. Yusuf is all generosity, answered Abu Jamal.
Now, these words in English uh, which talk about looking are usually B2 words. For example, to gaze, to glance, and to stare. All these are in the story. Gaze, glance, and stare. Gaze and stare are very similar. It means looking at something for a long time. To gaze is perhaps you look at it because you think it's so wonderful. And to stare, well, that could be for other reasons. But it's similar, really, I suppose, in meaning. Glance at something, on the other hand, glance, is when you look at something very quickly and then look away. To glance. Dunya gazed at her mother and thought how beautiful she always looked. Listen out for that sentence in the story. An interesting word in English is lap, L-A-P. This is a B2 word. And your lap forms when you sit down. And often children like to sit on adults' laps. So it's really your the knees or the upper part of your leg, which forms a, a horizontal surface, so that a child, for example, can sit there, your lap. So... It talks about Dunya sitting on her grandfather's lap. And my last two words are sadness and frustration. You'll notice at B2 there are a lot of Latin-based words, like frustration, which come from Latin, and they are recognisable, perhaps, in other languages, obviously, especially Latin-based languages, French, Italian, Spanish, for example. Sadness and frustration. Sadness is the noun of sad, and frustration comes from frustrate. So frustration, we feel when things are not going our way, and we can do nothing about it. The situation is difficult, and we feel we have no power to change the situation. The uh, sentence is, It is a cause for much sadness and frustration among our people. Listen out for those phrases and vocabulary. As I say, check out the audio script as well, and you can see the other B2 words which I've included in this story. So here we go. The Octopus's Garden by M. A. Bilber. This story is copyright M. A. Bilber. Part One. Dunya. Dunya Yusuf Hussan Al Baguti sat on the white sand and looked out across the deep blue of the Mediterranean Sea. Somehow. At last, she had found comfort here. That feeling of her insides being pulled and torn by iron hands, a sensation of pain so powerful it had made her dizzy, 
and even physically sick, was now reduced to the gentle rise and fall of her chest following the rhythm of the rolling waves. Then the thoughts and memories returned, but this time she was ready for them. They came gradually, obeying the slow rhythm of the breathing sea. My dear brother, Abu Jamal, there are things you just do not understand, said Yusuf Hussan Omar, and he walked around the courtyard, his hands in his rich black hair, his expression hard and serious. Dunya sat on a rug in the corner, almost hidden by the rubber plants, drinking a glass of honey lemonade and watching the scene in front of her. Perhaps her father did not even know she was there. Usually, when he had these arguments with her uncle, he would stare at Dunya until she took the hint and went to her room. The warm autumn sun shone through the opening above the courtyard, but it was cool and shady on the ground floor of their house. Dunya's mother sat on cushions, a blanket over her knees, and her back against the coloured ceramic tiles of the courtyard wall. Next to her there was a book which she had put aside when the argument had begun. Abu Jamal sat on a chair, his elbows resting on his knees, a worried look on his face. He picked up his glass of mint tea, but did not drink from it. Brother, said Abu Jamal, looking down at the marble floor, everything to me seems quite simple. May Allah give you the wisdom to see the truth before our beautiful home and family are split in two. The truth, shouted Yusuf, the truth is that our dear dead father, from God we come and to God we return, left half the house to me and the other half to you. That's the truth. But, interrupted Abu Jamal calmly, that doesn't mean drawing a line down the middle. We have always lived here. Your family one side of the house, and my family the other. But we have shared the courtyard, and we have shared the reception room. We should continue to share. Only in that way can we all live in peace. Yusuf looked up at the opening over the courtyard, and raised his hands high, as though searching for inspiration and guidance from Allah himself. Exactly! Of course we'll continue to share, he said. I'm just saying that the reception room, which is at the entrance on my side of the house, and always has been, should belong to me in the testament, officially. Furthermore, I am the older brother, but meanwhile I'll let you use the reception room whenever you wish. My brother Yusuf is all generosity, answered Abu Jamal. 
But if we are to draw a line down the middle of the house, why should we not draw a line down the middle of the reception room? So that half the room also belongs to me, officially. Yusuf's hands went back to his hair. Brother, would you draw lines down all the rooms? Perhaps you would draw a line through my bathroom. Am I to draw a line down the middle of my toothbrush too? Keeping very quiet, Dunya smiled into her honey lemonade. Then her mother lifted her head, her long black hair falling over her shoulders. Dunya gazed at her mother and thought how beautiful she always looked. Yusuf, she said, smiling, perhaps we should leave the argument for another day. I think we can feel assured that my dear brother-in-law Abu Jamal has no intention of drawing any lines in your bathroom, and least of all on your toothbrush, on which he makes no claims at all, neither as a possession, and even more wisely, nor as something to share. We are in difficult times. The bombing is becoming worse. We should pray to Allah to ask his protection of our home, one of the most ancient and beautiful in all of Gaza City. These words were the last words Dunya's mother ever spoke on this earth. There was a scream above. Dunya lifted her gaze from the sea and watched a seagull float on the cool breeze. When she lowered her eyes once more to the waves, she remembered a time a year earlier. In the same courtyard, at home, sitting on her grandfather's lap, Dunya was nine years old then, and her mother would say she was too old to sit on people's laps. But she felt safe and secure there, on the knees of this big smiling man his face lined with wisdom and the experience of so many years. He was called Hussan al-Rashid, or usually just al-Rashid, which means one who is always good. On this particular morning, al-Rashid sang a song to his granddaughter. You know, Dunya, he said, we can sometimes feel trapped. Here in Gaza, Israel on two sides, Egypt on another. Then there is the sea. Even there we cannot travel far without being stopped. It is a cause for much sadness and frustration among our people. I remember one day I went out on a boat with my friend, Khalid, the fisherman. I used to help him sometimes when I was not working, with pulling in the nets. I enjoyed it. On one occasion, I remember the water was very clear, and the surface of the ocean was like a mirror. You could even see the seabed, despite the great depth of the water. 
Suddenly, we saw something huge, bright red and orange, moving far below the boat. I glanced at my friend. What is it? I asked. It is Al-Lajabu, the wonder, answered Khalid. He is a giant octopus, yet he is different from all the others, as he has seven legs. He is the prince of the sea around here. He comes and goes where and when he pleases. He is master in his own land. He can never be caught in a net, and we would not want to catch him. For us he represents the freedom we have never had. A giant octopus with seven legs, said Danya, astonished. Yes, it is a curious thing, isn't it? It reminded me of a song by the Beatles. Have you heard of the Beatles, Danya? I think so, she answered. Weren't they a pop group? Indeed they were, replied Al-Rashid. And very famous in Europe when I was a boy, although here in Gaza we didn't hear much pop music even then. But as a teenager, a little older than you, another friend of mine had some Beatles records and even a record player. I used to go to his house to listen to them. I'll try to sing you the song. Your English is good, isn't it, Danya? Yes, Grandfather, I think so. At school, we write plays and stories in English and act them online. I've learnt a lot of English recently. You're a bright girl, Danya, said Al-Rashid, and he looked at her fondly. You know, I don't remember all the words, but it went something like this. And he began to sing. I'd like to be under the sea In an octopus's garden in the shade He'd let us in, knows where we've been In his octopus's garden in the shade We would be warm below the storm In our little hideaway beneath the waves Resting our head on the seabed In an octopus's garden near a cave We would sing and dance around Because we know we can't be found I'd like to be under the sea In an octopus's garden with you The octopus's garden sounds... Like a lovely place to be, Grandfather, said Danya. Al-Rashid looked deep into her eyes and he nodded his grey head. Yes, it does, doesn't it, Danya? It certainly does. And that's the end of part one of The Octopus's Garden. I hope you heard the B2 words and expressions which I mentioned at the beginning. I'll be back next week with part two. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.